I'm Nicole Ferraro, and this is The Divide, a podcast from Light Reading exploring the ongoing digital divide, why and where it still exists, and what needs to be done to get people everywhere connected to reliable, high-speed internet. Today, I am joined by Gary Bolton, president of the Fiber Broadband Association. Gary and I discuss his take on the Biden administration's $65 billion broadband legislation and how the fiber industry is shifting its advocacy efforts now that it's been signed into law. We also discuss broadband maps and the Fiber Broadband Association's new training and certification program to grow the workforce and help accelerate fiber deployments. Gary, thank you so much for joining me. Welcome back to the podcast. Hey, Nicole, it's great to see you and uh, really glad to be here. I have to tell you something. You are my very first return guest to this podcast. So how does that make you feel? That's great to know. Um, you know, I, it's uh, I feel privileged. So thanks, Nicole. My my pleasure. I just I wanted to tell you that on air. Um, so I had to have you back because you and I have had a few discussions about the sixty five billion dollar broadband bill. Um, we've talked throughout the legislative process, but now it's officially passed. It's real. Um, so I wanted to get your thoughts on on it and and where we ended up. Yeah, so uh, you know we're very excited. Uh, you know this was a long time and it's coming. You know as we talked last time um, last year, we made an audacious ask of the administration of a hundred billion dollars. Uh, we had some great supporters and uh, Senator Klobuchar and uh, Congressman Clyburn. You know we saw um, some bills come in and a lot of emphasis, um, a lot of legislation. Get um, also uh, things like. Um, Senator Bennett um, with the Bridge Act and so forth. So we saw a lot of legislation that was heading that direction. Uh, and then it was great. You know, the White House invited me in um, April 1st to say that uh, the president will be announcing the, the new infrastructure bill and uh, or his plan. And so, again, you know, <laughs> it took a lot of bites of the apple, but we, we got there. So what we're looking at is, you know, there's $42.5 billion for broadband equity access and deployment, so the BEAD program. In addition, another $2 billion on tribal broadband and then a billion dollars for uh, middle mile. So what this means, and this is on top of, you know, a, a, a lot of money, right? You know, we're looking yeah. at, um, you know, ARPA, there's, you know, somewhere, uh, you know, states have about 30 billion um, and then another 12 billion for broadband um, that they've been deploying this year and next year. Um, you know, when we have RDOF that's come trickling out, that's, you know, they awarded 9.2 billion of 20 billion. Uh, you know, we have reconnect. And so there's no excuse anymore on why we can't be able to get fiber to every American. You know, just mm -hmm. as we saw 85 years ago um, with the Rural Electrification Act, you know, we didn't skimp on rural America saying, hey, you're kind of expensive, so we're just going to um, send you a, a, a water wheel to put out in your stream to generate some electricity or, you know, stick a solar panel on your roof or do some kind of dance to hope that you get electricity. You know, we, if you, you get the same electricity in rural America as you do in uh, urban areas. And so, mm -hmm. again, you know, we need to do the same for broadband. Yeah. So let's talk about um, how you do that now, how you advocate to get that fiber everywhere now that the legislation has passed. Um, how much of that money, this is an easy one for you, how much of that money do you want to go to fiber projects? And then where are you focusing your advocacy efforts going forward? 
Well, so, you know, when we, the thing that we right now we're seeing is that, um, you know, a lot of these uh, other kind of legacy technologies are uh, making, you know, they're now they're going at the White House and Congress pretty hard to say, you know, hey, you can't leave us out. Mm-hmm. And it's not about the this is not the time for politics. This is a time when the whole industry can lock arms and do something for generations to come. And so what we're focused on is helping, you know, so there's uh, when we look at the number of broadband offices, um, not every state has a broadband office. Not every mm-hmm. state is um, equipped. There are some states that have some good broadband programs. And so what we're doing is we're identifying the best practices on state broadband programs and we're putting together a playbook. And so where we're going to be is moving our advocacy to the states. So on the federal level, we have to protect um, what's been, you know, Congress has accomplished and mm-hmm. make sure, you know, that the administration, the administration is definitely pro fiber. But, you know, when the politics get in, um, there's going to be a lot of pressure to do the wrong thing. And so we need yeah. to make sure we support um, the administration and Congress and to be able to fulfill their vision. And then um, on the states is to help them be able to execute. And so it's, you know, not only just making sure that it's efficient deployment of funds and those projects, but also that every community can then be able to be connected. Because this, you know, if you think about like a travesty would be um, you know, we saw an art off where the 640,000 locations were being relegated to low Earth orbit satellites, mm-hmm. um, which if you have nothing, you maybe say, hey, that's better than nothing. And that's exactly what Elon Musk calls his program, the better than nothing <laughs> broadband program. Um, but it's not. It's, true, it's worse yeah. than nothing because you check a box saying you're this, your location's covered. And um, so all this money coming that won't go to you. And so mm-hmm. by... Um, checking boxes saying people are covered, you know, that will not provide a path to jobs. It won't be a path to economic development. It won't provide a path to um, rural health care. And, you know, best effort is not good enough. You know, we're, we're not talking about entertainment anymore. It's not about streaming Netflix. This is about having, um, you know, online education um, on, you know, remote health care and being able to have people to be able to work from anywhere. Yeah. You you make good arguments against deploying those technologies that don't live up to fiber. But what are what do you say? Um, what do you say to people who what arguments can you give in favor of fiber when people say, well, it takes too long. It's going to take too long to get it to these people. It's too expensive to get it to the hardest to reach areas. And have there been advancements in deployment that you've seen in the past year or so that, you know, maybe helps push back against those arguments? Well, you know, first of all, it's um, when you look at the costs of not deploying fiber, it's huge. You know, I mean, if you look at um, our prison systems are full of people who don't have education and um, access to jobs and, you know, just are disadvantaged. And so by um, identifying people by their zip code as to who will be the haves and have nots is unacceptable. So I think the social cost is unacceptable. Um, and then from uh, deployment techniques, you know, we get better and better uh, every year. So one of the things that we've seen is um, like down in um, the Gulf Coast, you know, we have a lot of uh, fiber that have been uh, plowed in the ground. And so when we see, you know, through Louisiana and these areas that have, um, you know, I think they've had five named storms so far this year. It's 
being able to have that infrastructure helps to um, be able to be resilient against weather acts and so forth. So being able to have reliable uh, broadband is really important. Uh, you know, the other part of this is, you know, the on average right now, um, Americans are getting um, about 160 meg by 80 meg. And to tell rural America that you don't deserve to what the rest, and that's today, you know, what's moving in the future is moving, accelerating um, at an exponential pace. And so it's really important that, you know, as Wayne Gretzky would say, is you want to uh, be where the puck's going to be. And it's not from, you know, 10 years ago of, you know, 20 thrive three or 100 by 20 or some other crazy thing. Um, it's really about being able to have resilient networks that can be able to do things like be able to provide public safety, be able to be a pathway to 5G, to be able to do smart grid modernization. So this is the critical infrastructure for our future. And there's plenty, not only the federal subsidies, but there's plenty of um, state funding and private capital that's coming on this. So we will never be in a position to have this much funding available to get fiber to every American. Very good points. Um, one challenge for anyone looking to build networks right now is certain or do anything is uh, the supply chain. So I'd like to know what you're hearing from your members about materials. Um, but you guys also launched an initiative to increase the labor workforce for building fiber. So can you tell me about that as well and where you are with it? Yeah, let's start with supply chain. So the one good thing is that, um, you know, we have strong domestic manufacturing of fiber and we are right now exporting 30% of that capacity. Mm. And so we have more than enough fiber capacity being built in the U.S. today to be able to um, provide fiber for with all this CapEx coming to market. So our CapEx is going up about four to five times our historic run rate. And uh, we do have that capacity and as well as our members are building new plants and they've announced those plans. So being able to have this infrastructure bill passed um, gives the visibility and allows um, investment in great building capacity because, you know, you have pretty much certainty on what um, the, the market demands are going to be. Um, where we are struggling is in cable. So you actually mm -hmm. have to put that fiber in cable. And so we're need, we need to ramp up our cable manufacturing capabilities. And so what's the challenge is it's not just having fiber, but it's having the right kind of fiber. And, you know, if it's drop fiber or you know, whatever kind of fiber that you need to be able to support your project. And so, um, you know, our members are heavily focused on making sure that's in place. Um, you know, we also see on electronics, you know, there's chip shortages. If anybody's tried to rent cars or, you know, try to order a new car, um, you know, these chips are always in a challenging, you know, we're starting to see some relief on that side. And, uh, you know, we think that um, as we, get um, this fiber in the ground and be able to get to the point where we're actually hooking electronics that we'll be able to catch up and be in position for that. Okay. On the labor side, you know, that's an area of great constraint, uh, concern for us. And, you know, we looked at if our CapEx is going up, you know, uh, five or six X, um, we can only increase our, the labor component about 15% a year. And so we, that we need to take um, dramatic action. And so we developed a fiber optic technician training program that's 144 hours of classroom training and lab, as well as 2,000 hours of apprenticeship 
and that's fully accredited nationally with the Department of Labor. And we are rolling that out. So our course development has largely complete. We're finishing our material list right now, and we'll be starting our pilot in January in Wilson, North Carolina. Oh, very um, exciting. Yeah. And so what we've been doing is talking to the state broadband offices and workforce development together, because as companies that are going to be getting grant money to fund these projects, they will be the ones that need to have the workforce. And so that would be the opportunity to be able to make this available. And so what we're doing is we're ramping this up to um, 50 states, uh, five territories and the District of Columbia to be able to make sure that um, we have you know, rock star fiber optic technicians across the nation. And so what we're starting with is identifying beachheads, um, you know, community colleges or um, training institutes in each state, working with the states to identify those um, and then be able to have them scale up in those states. So we've had a number of governors have reached out to me to make sure that their states are, are uh, working with us and they're you know, hooking us up with their workforce development offices. Um, we've had different senators reach out as well. And uh, so that, and as well as veterans programs. So veterans will be a big part of this, which is great about fiber optics is not only it's a job, it's a career. And that career is available everywhere. So it's not like you have to come out of the military and go to Alaska or some you know place far corners of the nation to get a job. You can get this in any community and it's going to be highly sought after um, skill set. So we're, we're pretty excited about that. Yeah, that's really exciting. I'll definitely be uh, keeping up with you on that. Um, so one last question for you, and then I'll let you go, um, uh, is my final question is about the FCC, which as we speak still needs its full membership confirmed. Um, we'll see by the time uh, this this airs. Um, it seemed to me like Jessica Rosenworcel during her hearing got a lot of questions on the FCC's broadband map, which the agency uh to my knowledge, hasn't made a ton of progress on fixing this year. So um, do you know anything I don't know about that progress? And are you concerned that this data isn't available yet when states need to start drawing up their plans uh, for all this funding? Well, it is a bit of a race because, you know, as uh, President Biden signed um, the infrastructure bill into law, um, that started the clock with NTIA. And mm -hmm. we're certainly uh, working closely with NTIA, actually, They'll be speaking at our premier members meeting on Capitol Hill in um, two weeks. Uh, so as they develop that notice of funding opportunity, um, then that, that gives us six months to be able to roll it out to the states. And then the states will be ready in position to start applying. So at that point, uh, we definitely need the, you know, the Broadband Data Act is looking to have those FCC maps available. Um, given that we are you know, a dozen plus years into broadband and never had a good map. Um, the, you know, pulling a rabbit out of the hat and said, all of a sudden we're going to have these fantastic maps, um, you know, may not be the case. So there, you know, there's uh, NTIA does have something called NBAM and they've uh, have a lot of crowdsourcing and they have a layering of all kinds of maps. A number of state entities and local areas have their own mapping. Mm -hmm. um, so there's a lot of, mapping that you know people have taken into their own hands whether it's a state or at the local level um you know i anticipate that you know we will try to do the best we can with what is available again it's um very frustrating for all involved 
uh, especially you know those in the challenge process you know to incorrectly identify areas of need and not correctly identifying those areas that where the money needs to be focused but um, I, I think we'll we'll be able to work around it but you know our hope is that the FCC will you know they have their contractors they put RFP out they should be you know well along in the process and they still have six more months to get this done so mm-hmm. um, our hope is that we'll have these awesome mapping from the FCC but if not I think um, there's some contingencies that we can you know NTI can take advantage of all right awesome thank you so much Gary as always I enjoyed talking to you Nicole it's great to see you and hear from you and uh, you know just I'd say 2021 was the year of fiber, um, and I think 2022 is going to be even greater. We have a lot of exciting things in front of us. The other year of fiber, we'll have to call it. Well, it's, or, uh, we'll come I, up with a better name. It's the, this is a year that uh, the funding got put in place, and <laughs> next year go, yeah. is the execution year. That we there we go, the exec- execution year. I don't know. I don't know. We're going to have to work on the campaign around this one. But <laughs> thank you, Gary. Thank you again, Gary, for joining me. Thank you as well to our producer, Pierre Landrio, for making this episode. Be sure to subscribe to the Light Reading Podcast for more episodes of The Divide, as well as interviews and insights from the Light Reading team. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.